You know, these online trolls and comments have been getting to me. And it's time we did something about it. Broadcasting from the Hip Hop Weekly Studios, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Civic Cypher. I am your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. Mm -hmm. I am his personal security. <laughs> so if he's that fed up, then we got something to talk about. But you can call me Q. Indeed. Um, stick around. We have a lot to uh, talk about today. Uh, the fact of the matter is that we have adopted a more aggressive social media strategy in recent months and been posting more frequently. You know, we're radio guys. We're, we do radio. And so social media has just kind of always been something that's supplemented what we've done. Well, now we've had to kind of lean into it a bit more. And along with that comes trolls and people that, you know, try to pick on us. But the fact of the matter is that uh, there are a lot of people who raise some talking points that are sort of age-old talking points from uh, the far right, if I'm being honest. And some of them are, are indeed white supremacists. And so what we're going to do is hopefully have the conversations in the studio today so that you can hear our rebuttals and use them in your own travels, in your own journey um, as you encounter racism or anti-black sentiment or anti-anything sentiment um we're gonna have the conversations that i believe will help you on your way um we've probably been more frustrated by it than than we hope that you are but because we get inundated with it um but the fact of the matter is that we recognize that it can be frustrating for anybody and everybody and it's when these things come together that we can actually do something about it. So we're going to take the time today to do that. But first and foremost, like we always do at this time, we are going to discuss some Ebony Excellence. Shall we? We shall. Today's Ebony Excellence is sponsored by Major Threads. For innovative, fashionable sportswear, check MajorThreads.com. All right, I'm going to read from NPR. And this is a cool story. It's about a, a man, a black man, who was a mechanic and later in life became a doctor. He realized his lifelong dream, and I just thought it was really special. So um, he's our Ebony Excellence example today. Carl Allenby's professional trajectory could be reduced to the plot of a feel-good movie. Skimming over the details, his story is of a once poor boy from the wrong side of Cleveland who went from fixing cars to fixing people, from mechanic to medical doctor. And technically, all of that is correct. Allenby did go from owning an auto repair shop almost straight out of high school to recently starting his first job as an emergency room attending physician at Cleveland Clinic's Hillcrest Hospital in Mayfield Heights, Ohio. But the more accurate truth is that in this case, Allenby's social and economic mobility, the kind that embodies the so-called American dream, was of the tortoise versus hare variety. It stretched out over decades. High school graduation came and went with little fanfare, though by then, Allenby was living on his own and had picked up a job as an auto, at an auto parts store. It was there he learned about cars, and he would often pick up small repair jobs that he worked on at a shop across the street. In the beginning, he rented a portion of the space, but eventually he had enough business to buy the place. He was 19. Taking community college classes unearthed a desire he held since seeing Denzel Washington play a doctor. He eventually transferred into a program at Cleveland State University that guaranteed him a spot at Northeast Ohio Medical University, and he did well. Uh, just, I want to let you know I'm reading 
pretty fast. So in between there, he like grew up, raised a family, all this sort of stuff. Um, he graduated summa cum laude with a bachelor's in science by 2015. And he started medical school. And then he graduated from medical school at age 47. And now he is again at his residency at Cleveland Clinic Akron at 51. So shout out to Carl Allenby. That's pretty incredible. Ebony Excellence, if I ever heard of it. Okay. So um, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to go through our social media and pick out some of the comments that deserve a response. Deserve is a strong word, but that, that deserve a response that you could benefit from hearing, right? Um, some of these comments that we get are, we get a lot of comments because of the hashtags we use. Um, and a lot of the people are very angry people. Right. And so we get a lot of trolls, a lot of people that are just spewing really hateful stuff and not really trying to understand or really um, espouse kind of the intent of what we're trying to say in our posts. But um, the fact of the matter is that some of these talking points, they exist and we know that they exist. They're like zombies. They'll never die. And if we encounter them, the fact is, is that there's a good chance that you encounter them in your uh in your travels, in your own life. And so um, let's start with a post that we put up recently. Q actually posted this um, where he was talking about lawsuit settlements and how pol police lawsuits are settled by the citizens, the taxpayers, you and I, right? So Q is making his point and then the comments are... <laughs> pretty ugly <laughs> if we're being honest so um let's grab one um so here's one it says wow another pseudoscient sorry another pseudo sophisticated black guy with a beanie and glasses with the same take about the police um for this i I think that when people are trying to insult us um, and there's nothing else to their conversation, it shows that they're ill-equipped to engage, right? Um, so a lot of times, and this, these are lessons you would think I would know already, but I'm learning this right now. Okay? It's, it's an interesting point that you bring up because it's not, they don't counter what we're saying. Right. They don't provide data that's, contrary to what we're saying they don't they don't even start an argument right with regard to what we're saying a lot of the times they're just attacking how we look and pseudo sophisticated is interesting i i was presenting myself the way that i do every day out in the world i wasn't attempting to appear or be uh sophisticated just talking about how i feel and pointing out the truth that the citizens of the country and uh local mu municipality civil suits the taxpayers money goes towards settling those lawsuits. Absolutely. Not the pockets of those officers or their departments directly. It comes from the taxpayers. And I think that something that's just factual like that, uh, eliciting such a strong response from somebody, it shows that a lot of these people are dead set on just being angry. Okay. So bear that in mind. Um, I want to switch gears here to another post. This post is about the Fearless Fund. 
another post um, from Q. And the Fearless Fund is a fund, and correct me if I'm wrong, Q, it's a fund that's designed to um, fund business ventures by Black women. Or minority women. Minority women. Okay, thank you. So um, immediately the affirmative action conversation comes into play. And so a lot of the comments reflect that. Yeah, a lot of anti-affirmative action. So let's grab one of these comments here. Um, Okay. Affirmative action is racist. It was a good thing. It was abolished. Okay. I put thanks for sharing. (laughs) Um, Deciding to live your life as a victim will never allow anyone to rise above. This is another kind of zombie that will never die because they always think that we're victims. Um, nothing should be granted or given based on race. That's racism. Okay, let's let's take this comment for a second. Nothing should be granted or given based on race. Um, in a vacuum, all things being equal, that's absolutely true. Um, when you take out of, when you take history out of the equation, when you you take the effects and legacy of the government sanctioned discrimination that we have as a people have experienced in this country out of the equation, um, then yes, a comment like that is 100% valid. But the fact of the matter is that we have started well behind the starting point and we are compared to sort of the standard if you will the the white standard we'll we'll call it the white standard the standard that white people have so why are white why are black people making this much money when white people are making this much money why are why are black outcomes this when white people's outcomes are this right so this is this white people are the standard that we're compared to right and without the context of how we ended up there, you can make a statement like, oh yeah, affirmative action is racist because you know, you're, you're that there's a, that's almost like delusion. It doesn't account for the, the reality of the situation that affirmative action was intended to accelerate the healing and the um, recovery of black people uh, and not meant to, give black people an advantage over white people. That's not a real thing. That's that's also not what it did. It, absolutely not. Affirmative action at no point gave black people an advantage over anyone else. It just allowed black people to be considered for opportunities where they normally would not have even been considered. They didn't get to take cuts or jump in front of people. They just got someone to look at their application to <laughs> it's so funny how that works because again a lot of these um a lot of these people they they don't know that and they they end up kind of coming out of their face with these really strange and hurtful responses and it's almost like they feel like they have the moral high ground so they're not trying to learn anything whatsoever and in most of those cases even that high ground is born from uh pseudo education if you will they're they're parroting or borrowing talking points that they saw on a meme or that they heard on a talk show or that they saw scrolling the timeline before they got to our video 
It affirmed how they felt and they just said it louder as if it was an original thought, as if they'd studied or done some research at all. And they get to adopt that aggressive position from a position of, of you know, having the moral high ground or, or feeling that they are actually the ones being oppressed or, you know, I've heard them say things like reverse racism mm -hmm. um, when not only do the outcomes in the data show that, that there's no such thing. Yeah. We've never had the advantage or been able to disadvantage another group of people because they were a certain race. X, y, Z. Right. Um, so it just, it's, 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 it's always been really interesting that they say things like play the victim, right? If you, if you're bothering no one and somebody walks up to you and assaults you, Expressing that you were hurt is not you playing the victim. Right. Nor is leaning into it. Um, well, I, how about, let me not say it this way. When you use it to explain your current standing, um, that is not playing the victim either. It's context, right? So I, I think that's the, the dividing line for people that kind of feel that way. Um, if I can, if I can make a connection between what happened and where I'm standing right now, that's not playing the victim. That's again, just telling, telling my story. Um, and if I continue to let it limit me, then perhaps that's playing the victim, but I've never seen that reality for black people. I've seen black people be as resilient as any human being I've ever seen, you know, and in, 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 in the face of a country that hates them. Black people have been here since slavery. That means we went through Jim Crow. We went through black codes. We went through all those lynchings, all those massacres. Not to mention that there, of course, were some black people here pre-slavery. Sure. And let me flip this. A lot of black people were victims. How about that? Yeah. A lot of black were actual victims. They're not alive anymore. And, you know, all of these things that, that are passed down, like wealth, opportunities, um, and how those things shape life today is just something that, that black people don't have. So again, to compare black people to white people, when a lot of these things have passed down. Um, a lot of anti-black sentiment still affects black people in different parts of the country. Um, it, it, you, you cannot divorce the history from our current reality because the history has created our current reality. And so again, there's no victimhood here. It's just factual. And I could, again, we, that's what we do on the, sh the show is we outline, um, exactly where things are connected and what we can do to kind of help shape the future for ourselves. Um, I want to I want to touch on another post that we have here. I put a post up, and this is a a white gentleman. He's on a on a podcast. It's just a video that I put up, and he says, uh, "What are the most What are the five most dangerous U.S. cities according to Forbes?" And the guy says, "Well, let me start with Chicago." And then the host says, "Chicago's not even in the top 15, right?" So again, this this video is meant to show that depending on where you get your news, you might be misinformed. The uh, the most the five most dangerous cities are, um, I believe, number one is St. Louis, number two is Mobile, Alabama, 
Number three is Birmingham, Alabama. Number four is Baltimore, Maryland. And number five is Memphis, Tennessee, right? Chicago's not even there. But Chicago is a common um, uh, talking point for far-right conservatives who try to say, well, you don't really value Black life because look at Chicago. Chicago is the token Black-on-Black crime. Right, right. City. Mm -hmm. Whenever they try to make that point, and and I've heard a lot of black people use Chicago yeah. to back that position on that argument. Right. I'm not going out to march when the police kill us because that's our lives have more value than that. You guys don't say anything when the black kid kills the black kid in Chicago. It's, it's Chicago is the city they say every time. Every time. Yeah. And again, it just goes to show how narratives get chronicled and how depending on where you get your news, um, you can be given a falsehood that becomes your reality. And there's people in the comments here that will not let go of Chicago at all, right? They still, like, it's just like their brain is fixated on Chicago. Um, But again, for the people who really feel like, hey, you shouldn't protest the police if you don't protest what's going on in Chicago, right? For those people that say that, I say, if a black person kills a black person in Chicago, there is at least the chance that there will be justice and there will be consequences. Let me do you one better. Go ahead. When a black person kills a black person in Chicago and the police know who that person is, they go to jail mm-hmm. 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. They get found out. Please there. hear that caveat. If the police know who did it, like if they have them on videotape and then they arrest them, that person is charged and in almost every case convicted and then sentenced in a way that makes sense of you having killed someone. The problem is when said black person is murdered by law enforcement. And even when it's on camera and we know who did it, sometimes no charges are even brought because there's a justification for it, qualified immunity, feared for their life, etc. And even when caught and on tape and convicted, they are sentenced in a way that doesn't really match the crime they're being convicted of. Those are the differences that we try to highlight. Of course, there's value in the life, no matter who took it, but there's also accountability when that person, specifically in these cases, is caught on camera and is not a member of law enforcement. Accountability is what we're talking about. people. We're not trying to say that it never happens otherwise. Just that when it happens otherwise and someone is caught, charged, convicted, they are sentenced in a way that makes sense for having ended someone's life. That is typically not the case when it comes to law enforcement. Um, all right. So you remember, uh, for those that listen to the show, uh, you remember um, we did a, a piece where there was an officer was laughing at the death of a woman who was killed while crossing the street. When another police officer was speeding to respond to a call 
and he accidentally hit her, right? So the, the, the subsequent officer was recalling arriving on the scene to investigate the initial officer that hit the woman. And he was recorded on his body cam video kind of laughing at her and saying that, that they should cut a check for $11,000 and, you know, she was low value, that sort of stuff. So we, we, we talked about that and we took a clip from this show and we put it on our social media as a teaser. Like, here's what to look forward to. So funnily enough, here's a comment. 47 black people shot over a weekend in Chicago. Where's the same energy? So they're comparing us talking about a police officer laughing <laughs> at, uh, a victim and expressing how little worth she had. Yeah. And they're comparing that to the people shot in Chicago. Again, there's no connection there whatsoever, but this comment says, uh, 47 people shot over a weekend in Chicago. Where's the same energy? Why is it when one white race soldier does something, there's outrage, but you'll see it happening in your community or other communities and it's crickets. Okay. So let me help people out with this one because this one is is kind of a weird one and i think that we'll we'll probably leave right here so there is a degree of individual responsibility that factors into every single human being's life right it's absolutely true some people are born with gifts some people are born with talents some people are born with attributes and skills or an aptitude toward a certain thing and other people are not right. This is just kind of the way things go. Um, and it is up to the individual to do whatever they're going to do with those gifts and skills. We don't talk about individual responsibility on this show because we deal with data, right? And data shows that there are certain groups of people doing better than other groups of people. Now, we operate under the premise that all human beings in all groups have equal capacity to be born brilliant, uh, talented, etc. It doesn't matter what color you are. If you can sing, you can sing. It doesn't matter, you know, whatever. We talk about brilliant black minds. We talk about br brilliant black everything on this show because we exist. But when you look at the data, it tends to favor one group of people over pretty much everyone else. Almost always. Right. And so for us, we try to deal with the systemic issues that we believe are resulting in those outcomes. This is what many people who've come before us try to do. We are in no way removing individual responsibility. There's no one who's ever said that once this thing happens, all black people are going to be fine. Okay. There's still individual responsibility that goes into every single human story on this planet. And we are dealing with the systemic issues so that more of us can break through and we're not subjugated and relegated to the margins of society.